Welcome to another edition of Exploring Mind and Body. As always, I'm your host, Drew Tadia. All right, thanks so much for joining me on this edition. Now, I have Dr. Roberto Kaplan online. I was actually looking for someone to help me, an eye expert, in a more natural, holistic way, help me understand more about the eyes, and I couldn't found I couldn't have found a, a better guest, to be quite honest with you. All right, so just before we jump into the show, one of our sponsors is MAK Mystic Expressions. Now, this is a Himalayan salt company. They have Himalayan salt lamps. They have USB lamps that you can plug into your computer. This changes the ionic atmosphere in your room, in your house, in your office. We're, so, we're surrounded by computers and electronics and everything from phones to tablets in our homes and in our offices. And this is a great way to change the atmosphere to make a more relaxed environment for you to, to enjoy, for you to feel more a zen-like atmosphere, if you will, to, to sleep better and feel better and think more clear. So this is Himalayan salt, which also has salt shakers, salt grinders. They have heat, salt heat bags. So check out makmystics.com. Dr. Kaplan believes that you can improve your eye health. Now, I believe as a, as a society, we look to treat. So we look at medication, laser, laser eyes, um, glasses, whatever it is. And I really believe that there's other things that we can do to improve our eye health. And Dr. Roberto Kaplan talks all about it. So sit right there. We got all that coming up on... This is Exploring Mind and Body. Naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host, Drew Tadia. All right, welcome back to another edition of Exploring Mind and Body. I'm very excited to have Dr. Kaplan online with us. We're going to talk about energetic eye healing. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Dr. Kaplan. Thank you very much, Drew. Great to be here. I'd imagine there must be someone, but is there anyone else doing what you're doing? Because it seems so different from the, the norm. Well, it is certainly avant-garde, although there are some of my colleagues who are exploring these kinds of approaches in different ways. Um, so I don't feel totally alone, but when I look at the majority of eye care, I would feel that it's very unique and uh, offers people quite a lot. I have a bunch of notes here, but I want to ask you, I know you have a different approach, but I feel so, like so many of us accept our eyes to decline, our eye strength, our eye vision, that we accept mm -hmm. that as mm -hmm. we get older. So I just want to ask you right now, is it possible to improve our eye health as we age. Absolutely. We have to look at eyes in a new way. Typically, the medical approach is we look at the structure of the eye and we, uh, we follow the belief system that with age, that structure gets old. This is a, a belief system. However, there are people all over the world who don't only look at the structure, but they also look at the function. That means if we direct the eyes from the brain and higher places, there is a possibility, not a possibility, there is a scientific proof that the function through the eyes does change and can change. For example, they are improving the function of sports athletes, Olympic athletes, professional ball players are learning how to use the eye function in a healthier, more efficient way. There are programs all over the world for nearsightedness, prevention programs, where people are taught through practices, not exercises, practices, how to increase and maintain the functioning. And by functioning, I mean the energy 
the power, the nerve supply, the blood supply, the nutritional supply from the higher centers to the eyes. When you change that direction, the function improves. For example, one approach is you go to a gymnasium, like a sports gymnasium, and you, you do your weights and your machines and you're building muscle. Uh, on the other hand, one can also use special machines or special devices or special practices that increase strength and functionality. And that's what I'm talking about. Is we're not, the eye muscles are like a hundred times stronger than they need to be. But it's the way they function under our direction that is the difficulty. We are using our eyes in a way now that is not biologically acceptable. Our eyes are still functionally designed to be hunters and farmers, not smartphone users and computer users and things like that. Our eyes naturally decline as we get older. That's our, our mindset. I'm sure we can both yeah. agree on that. But then we have a phone, our phone or, or a computer or a tablet six inches mm-hmm. from our face mm-hmm. most of the day. And then I, I, don't underst- I don't see how we couldn't expect our eyes to decline because we're not using them in a natural way. Exactly. So it's the same as uh, people all over North America now are being made aware that it's not appropriate to eat fast food not appropriate to eat food that has been contaminated with pesticides and genetic engineering. So people are gaining an awareness. We don't have the awareness of how to sit the computer and how to look at a tablet and a smartphone. But there are special practices that can be incorporated into one's daily life that maintains the fitness and function of how we use our Can we get into more details through the practices? Let's take a nearsighted person. Right, so their glasses or contact are designed for six meters or beyond. So when the doctor writes the minus lens prescription with the cylinder for the astigmatism, they are saying where these, these glasses are designed for you to be looking at six meters or beyond. And then they take the same glasses and they look at a smartphone at 25 centimeters or a computer at 40, 50 centimeters. Well, the first thing that happens when you do that is the stress level goes up. The whole nervous system goes into an imbalanced fight-or-flight response. Now, if people know that, they can, first of all, use different lenses at different distances, and there are behavioral and functional optometrists all over Canada that are who know about this. There are vision therapy optometrists who who are able to prescribe preventive steps, practices like every 20 minutes, you leave what you're looking at at the screen and move the eyes to the four corners of the screen, four corners. Another approach would be to have a timer and every 20 minutes you look out the window and you do a series of what we call zooms, zoom out, zoom in. And you also incorporate breathing while we do that. And so what you're working with is a physiology to redirect the function into its more biologically natural state. And usually in a company or in a busy day schedule, one minute every 20 minutes is a legal requirement for any office worker to have to take that amount of time off when they're working on it. On a computer. So, roughly in every t- 20 minutes, you remove your eyes from the computer screen. Hopefully, there's a 
window that you can look out of. Ideally, or a plant. Or a plant. For example, a plant, for example, if it's a green plant, green has a tremendous balancing effect on the nervous system. It's the middle color of the full spectrum. And basically, the frequency of the light regulates the focusing system of the eye through the nervous system. It regulates the pupil. So immediately, the physiology of the eye and the nervous system goes into a state of relaxation. Now, normally, if you're hunting or farming, this will be a normal way of using eyes. So the practice of guide an individual back to what is biologically natively theirs. And they just have to be taught like everything else we learn. We have to just take the time to learn the practices. And then, like brushing our teeth or bathing ourselves or grooming ourselves, it becomes very natural. It becomes part of your daily life. It, it literally becomes part of your daily ritual. And the, the book Energetic Eye Healing, what I did there was I took it a step further and I took it into the semi-invisible. That is, what when you are increasing function... What is happening, happening energetically? For example, what's your relationship with your eye? Do you have a good relationship? Are you afraid of blindness? Are you afraid they're getting worse? And that relationship is like a loving, friendly relationship. Many people don't have a relationship with their eyes. They don't send good energy and love and appreciation for the amazing amount of work that the eyes do every second minute, hour of the day, seven days a week. You know, 16 hours a day, our eyes are open and functioning, and then we rest eight hours if we're lucky. Two-thirds open, yeah? So just having some, just understanding and appreciating your eyes can, you know, change the relationship and help you appreciate them more? We've been able to measure clinically changes in not only eyesight and visual function and two-eyed vision. We are now documenting through the measurements done by ophthalmologists, changes in eye disease processes. That means normal medicine for years has been saying you know, when a person is old and they have an eye disease, or even now young and have an eye disease, there's nothing you can do. You have to either have injections or surgery or medication for the rest of your life. But using this energetic eye healing approach, which is what my book is all about, we are actually documenting cases now where the doctors are measuring a return of vision function in diseased eyes. And we're also working with genetic recoding, and we are using information from the iris of the eye to identify the genetic code. What is the right perceptual style for the person? Some persons need to focus more on their thinking way of seeing. Others need more feeling. The third group need more emotion. So when people are guided to their true nature, not how to see, their body and their eyes start functioning in harmony with their nature. It's not being ruled by the intellectual thinking mind. And that uh, creates the possibility for health and well-being at a level way beyond what we've known before. 
All right, so just a quick word from our sponsor, Fitness Matters. Now, Anita Parker, who was previously on the show, designed this move ball, which isn't just a move ball, it's a move ball kit. Now, she teamed up with Jamie D. Marshall, and they've put together a complete package for you. So the move ball is kind of like a medicine ball, but it has handles, and it's not just a product. It's not just a ball. You get an entire transform kit, which includes a 30-day challenge. You have a skipping rope, a core ball, and a workout guide. And to complement all that, you have a daily logbook, so you can record everything that you do throughout the day throughout your workout, throughout the 30 days. There's so much information and so many ways to improve your health and fitness by checking out Fitness Matters blog. They have exercises, videos, and tips for you to check out to improve your lifestyle. So check them out at fitnessmattersblog.com. I would imagine natural healing was more natural <laughs> years ago. And I, I don't know if that's correct. You would, you would get answer that for me, but how did, how did we get towards medication, glasses, laser health, instead of the natural way to heal, which is almost seems like a secret in our society? This is a very good question. And we have to uh, look at other cultures to really understand that. And that's been my blessing because I have traveled uh, to Peru, I've, I've worked with Tibetan healers, I've been to, I grew up in Africa with shamans and, and songbombers. So I was exposed from a very early age, uh, what is really, what do we really mean by natural, not the fabricated version? What do we mean by living in harmony, living with all the elements working together, what we call holistic, but not, not in a commercialized version of it. <laughs> and so what has happened is because we are brainwashed and we are heavily conditioned by the media and by advertising and by everything, we have adopted a kind of mental way of perceiving. And, in, in, and if you look at the facts and the stats, they say exactly that. For example, in Singapore right now, 92% of 18-year-olds are nearsighted. Where is that? In Singapore. Singapore, wow. And, in, and it crosses to Taiwan, it goes to the, many of the Asian countries. Secondly, the World Health Congress, uh, the WHO organization, World Health Organization, they just recently published a statistic that shocked me, and they said that in the next six years, four years, by the year 2020, there are going to be 900 million more nearsighted people. And their solution was, well, we are all ready to prescribe glasses for them. No one is examining the real reason. They're all using the environmental aspect, the digital age aspect. And what I've done now for over 30 years, and working both in the USA, Canada, Africa, and now in Europe, is I've been investigating, working with doctors who are aligned in what we call psychosomatic medicine, which is quite big here in Europe. What that means is, using current research, which a lot of it comes out of the States, we are looking at emotional survival factors that the human being adopts, a kind of brain survival way of living, and examining its impact on the eyes. So the point is, if we convert the survival emotional elements to healthy perception, the human body through the brain and through the spirit is able to realign itself with its natural balance. So the natural balance doesn't come from the outside only. 
not about health, what food supplements you're taking, what exercise are you doing, are you eating organic? It's not about that only. It's the human being has to, when they readjust and recalibrate their emotional status, looking at all the survival patterns that get carried down from genetics through their life conditioning, through schooling, religion, politics, everything, and they realign themselves with their true biological nature, they are in a natural state. And many practitioners, and I did this myself for years, I was only treating from the outside, eat this, do this sports, take these vitamins, blah, blah, blah. But we've discovered now it's much bigger than that. You wrote the presence of disease is a signal of a deeper event of the body and mind that is communicating for help. Yes. And, you know, this is such a powerful statement for me. Can you talk Absolutely. more? In the book, Energetic Eye Healing, I, my partner and I, my co-author, and I made a very strong case that we have to not examine only what the eye is saying, but we have to examine the message behind the eye. So what we've done in the book is we've identified for all eye, many eye conditions from our case studies and from our investigations, what what is being said from behind the eyes, for example, in nearsightedness or cataract or glaucoma or strabismus in a child or the one-eye turns. And what we were able to do is to guide the person, and we do that clinically, and we guide the person into the deeper message behind the eye and then combining the practices with different lens powers, lens prescriptions in their glasses, they clear up what the message was being communicated. It's like a text message. They understand the message. They know why the message is there, where it came from. And now they rewrite the new message, the new communication. And with that in place, using special eye charts, people are able to measure changes in eyesight as they adopt that new perception. It's that simple. And how are they able to clear up that message? usually done with what we call eye coaching. That is, they need a coach who has a series of questions that they are asked, and usually the questions are derived from the information from the iris of the eye and from the doctor lens prescription that we, we use, the measurements of the eye, especially when there's astigmatism. And we are able to come up with at least 10 questions that are very, very direct get right to the source. So, for example, uh, let's say a person is nearsighted. That means they have trouble seeing far away, so their world is shrunk in. So that's a restrictive state. That's, one, that's where one of the questions begins. Where did you... Do you remember where you restricted yourself, your inner self, in connection to life? And then what we do is we look at... And it's also, this is in the book. We look at what's called the circle of their life. The circle of their life can be made up of their work and career, their relationships, partnerships, their family, their blood family, if they're adults, if they have children, money, sexuality, health, spirituality. And we are and they sometimes choose a theme. Oh yes, I want to work on my blood family. Or oh, I want to work on my perceptions of my work and career or my health. And then we have questions directed to those areas of their life in relationship to how they see. And then they take the, the, the experience home with them and then they use it in that part of their life until the new perception is established and firm. 
And during that process, we are measuring the changes in the ice. They are taught how to do this. And it's not only in eyesight, it's also how the eyes work together or don't work together. Because that's something that is not very well tested in Canada, for example, or North America. Now it's becoming a little more popular. But one of the things that happens when there's an emotional uh, upset, a survival pattern, is that people who have good eyesight and people that don't have good eyesight, there's a breakdown in 65% of the time with a breakdown in two-eyed vision function. And that's measurable. And that can be taught to a client or patient. And they have practices of how to build a stronger foundation of two-eyed vision. And that two-eyed vision is enormously important because it's about integration. And in our terms, it's that integration of mind, body, and soul. Means so much when you say, you know, a lot of times we're not looking at the root of the issue. And a lot of times the root of the issue doesn't have to do with the eyes. Am I understanding that correctly? The eyes, Drew, are a printout, a computer printout of something deeper and behind. My, my favorite thing I say to my patients is, please remember the eyes are only 10% of the story. 60% is in the brain and 30% is in your mind. In one of your videos, you talked about how there was a three-step connection. Yes. We, we, if the eyes are the printer, and we used to use the computer analogy, there has to be uh, a computer somewhere that's doing the processing. And I call that part the brain. And the brain basically is, I suppose we could call it the control sector. It controls the eyes. And I use the word control deliberately because control means it's a kind of an authoritarian statement. It's like a CEO, but controlling CEO. Mm-hmm. So then, and that's 60%, right? So what can happen if there's a survival process going on and there's a lot of fear, a lot of shutting off of perceptions and viewing, the brain can take that 60% and raise it to 90% or 80% or 70%. And the remaining percentage is absent or partially present. Now, how do you see this? How do you measure it? Well, the easiest way is to look at a human being and ask the question, how much light is shining from their eyes? If you see light shining, you see aliveness, you see presence in the eyes, you can be sure that that remaining 30% is present. And that 30% is a directorship, not the control. And that directorship for ease of conversation we call the mind. And that 30%, through some very sophisticated energetic principles, which are based partially on sacred geometry, partially on mathematics, normal physics and quantum physics. Part of that mind, that 30%, is actually housed and can move around in different locations in the brain. It can reprogram neural pathways, neuronal synapses. It can do everything. It can create wellness. It can create absence of wellness because it's absent. And... That's what I call the three-step process. The mind directs the brain. And if the brain is not in survival, the human being is not in survival, the brain correctly controls the functioning 
and physiology of the eye. There's, there's going to be a lot of people listening to this that could be sitting in front of a computer. A good number will have a desk job. So mm-hmm. earlier we talked about some practices that could improve their eyesight. I just want to go over that briefly so they have a better idea of how you can change their eyesight you know, right away from listening to this show. All right. So first of all, I would recommend that they find an eye chart, especially if they are having difficulty with, with clearness of eyesight. You can download them on the internet. They're very common. And what you do is, if you've got space in front of your computer, behind your computer, you place the eye chart. Preferably, if you can get up to two meters, that would be great. One meter could still work, but I would suggest as far away as possible, even on a wall. When they arrive in the office in the morning, they should check their level of eyesight with glasses, contacts, and without. Then, at lunchtime and in the evening, they do that check again. Now, theoretically, if the functioning is good from the practices that I'm going to go over, the eyesight level should be the same in the evening as in the morning when they came, both with their glasses and without. If there is a, a reduction in eyesight, it means that their nervous system and eye function have gone into a survival mode. Now that's where the practices will come into play. So the practices, every 20 minutes, one minute off. Now one minute off is measured by the number of breaths. For an average breather, <coughs> excuse me, for, for the average breather, 10 to 12 breaths would be ideal. That means there can be one practice, there can be two or even three practices based on the number of breaths. So one practice would simply be to leave the task at hand on the computer screen and let the eyes move around in the four corners of the screen while they do their breathing. That could be for three breaths, let's say. The next practice would be to zoom out the window or to a green plant, zoom back to the four corners or to the screen, and you repeat that for three or four breaths. Another practice would be for two breaths to just close the eyes and do your two breaths and then reopen them. Another one could be just placing the index fingers gently over the eye to feel the warmth and the pulsating energy from the index fingers. So there you've got four simple practices. And those could be three breaths each, and you're up to 12 breaths, which is one minute every 20 minutes. Then at the 60-minute mark, they should either stretch in their chair and give a nice open-mouth silent yawn or go to the bathroom, drink some water, and just basically stretch the spine, move the shoulders and the neck. That theoretically, in the legal aspect, they should theoretically be able to take five minutes off at the 60-minute mark. If you add all that up, it's still under the limits of the industrial recommendation for office workers and computer users, occupational and health Canada. 
Those were fantastic tips. Thank you so much for those. You're welcome. Dr. Kaplan, I, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing some of your time with us. I know you're overseas right now and traveling and have a lot going on. So again, I just want to thank you for coming on and sharing some of your knowledge with us. My absolute pleasure. Set deep in the majestic foothills, the Sundry Golf Club boasts stunning views of the Red Deer River and the Rocky Mountains. Along Sundry's recently restored 18-hole course, you'll enjoy a haven of flourishing trees, exquisite water features, rolling greens, and a fair challenge to all golfers with improved, more forgiving fairways. We invite you to discover why this spectacular course is a must-play for all levels, a true golfer's paradise. Call the book your tee time today at 403 Three All right, so that's going to wrap things up for this edition of Exploring Mind and Body. I want to thank Dr. Roberto Kaplan for being on the show. Now he's calling from overseas and he's got a lot of things going on. And it was such a pleasure having him on the show and listening to his perspective. And I really believe someone like Dr. Kaplan gives hope to those that want to improve their eyesight, those that want to improve their health, those that want to live healthier. And looking at the holistic approach for the root of the issue, there's so many good ideas and tips and suggestions, especially these last six tips that he added at the end of the show. So thank you so much, Dr. Kaplan, for doing that for us. Just before I let you go, a quick word from our sponsor, Rainy Days Medi Spa. These guys are located in Sylvan Lake. Now they have spa packages, they have waxing, makeup, massage. Then you get into more spiritual body care rituals like reflexology and reiki. You can check them out at rainydaysmedispa.com or you can give them a call at 403-887-0660. And then I want to thank Jameson Brown for edits. Once again, thank you for being here. That's it. That's all I got. I'm out of here. As always, I'm your host, Drew Tadia in health and fitness for a better world. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Exploring Mind and Body with True Form Life's Drew Tadia, fitness expert. To find out more about the show, Drew Tadia, or to listen to past shows, visit exploringmindandbody.com. Exploring Mind and Body with True Form Life's Drew Tadia would not be possible without the help of GDK Gravel and Sand. GDK Gravel and Sand, now offering all products in half and one yard bags. Give them a call today for more information. 1-877-335-2091.